Well, good morning. We got some exciting stuff happening around here, yeah? Yeah, I'm super excited about it. Um, we'll be ready next week to go downstairs to our other space down in the fellowship hall that has recently been renovated and is finishing up this week. So don't worry, now you just don't have to come up the stairs for a few weeks. It's, it's actually closer to where you are. So you'll wanna go downstairs on, at the Valencia doors to get in starting next week. And hopefully we'll be back up here um, in a few weeks after that. So you can already start praying for our workers and that things go smoothly and on schedule and bonus points if it's on budget. Yeah? Yeah. We'll pray for that for sure. For sure. Well, my name is Kayla. I'm one of the pastors here at Northgate and we envision a place that will transform our homes, our communities, and our world through pursuing God, building community, and unleashing compassion. And I'm so glad that you are here with us today so that we can do that together. Last week, we wrapped up several weeks of studying the story of David, King David in the Old Testament. And this week, we're starting a brand new series called Mulligan. Mulligan. Now, mulligan is a term that is used across the board, but it became famous because of the, uh, the game of golf. Now, I am not a golfer. Are any of you all golfers out there that are, okay, very good. I've got exactly one, perfect. <laughs> this series is gonna be awesome. <laughs> so let me give you some backstory here. It became, fa a mulligan is when you get a do-over. It's usually on the first tee shot, and when you could just completely shank it, then you get a do-over. You, you get to pretend it never happened and start again. Now that's not actually in the real rules of golf. It's more like a friendly thing that you get to do. So don't expect Tiger Woods to do it at, on his next competition. They'd throw him out for that, okay? Now there's several stories about the origin of it, but one of the most famous is from um, a Canadian golfer in the 1920s named David Mulligan. And he reportedly, showed up for uh, a tea time one morning with his friends and he took his first shot and it was horrible, like horrible, as in having to go dig it out of a pond, horrible. And so he just very nonchalantly got another ball out, set it down and tried again. And his friends were like, what, what, what are you doing? And he was like, you know, I was real shaky. I had a rough drive here. And so I'm just gonna do this again. And so it became a mulligan and then it caught on pretty quick because who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want to be able to scratch a first attempt and try again? I know that I need one. I mean, when I was taking my kids to school in the mornings, I almost always had to apologize three times on the way there. I hadn't had enough caffeine in my system and I was pretty sharp with them. But we often need mulligans in our life, a do-over, a chance to scratch and start over. This is actually a perfect follow-up from the life of David because as we saw in David's story, he was giving several second chances. We saw how when he would mess up and he was confronted with his sin, he would stop, repent, and then reorient his life back to trusting in God. But David is not the only faith giant we read about in the Bible who took second chances or mulligans. Noah got drunk, Abraham lied, Isaac did too, Jacob was a deceiver, Moses lost his temper, Samson chased women, Peter denied Jesus, John Mark went AWOL on a mission trip, and the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul was found killing Christians until he met Jesus on the road. 
We all needed do-overs. And God still used those people to share his love with the world. His plan hasn't changed. He wants us to show the world his love, and he will give us second chances to do that. You know, Paul gave us a good framework to use this in his letter to the Romans in chapter 8, verse 28. And this is going to start us out on the right foot. This is the basis for all of it. Romans 8, 28 says, We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Eugene Peterson in um, the message version of the same verse says it this way, We can be so sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. Now he doesn't say that everything in our life is good. But he does say, that every detail in our life of love for God is worked into something good. God can use whatever it is to turn it to good. So how do we act when we're given a mulligan, when we're given a second chance? How do we act? How do we make the best of this chance that we have to try again. Over the next four weeks, we're going to learn together how to take these second chances, how to take these opportunities we've been given and get it right. It's my observation from my own life and from looking at the lives of people around me that we tend to learn from mistakes when it matters the least. And we tend to repeat the bad decisions when it matters the most. Think about relationships. I might have learned how my husband's like his t-shirts folded, but we will argue over and over and over about the same thing. In dating, you might remember that you never want to date an Oakland A's fan again, but you keep going back to the same kind of crazy and making the same destructive decisions over and over. In your job, you might have learned how to unjam the copier, but you are still gossiping with your coworkers, even though it ruined your relationship with your boss a year before. You learn how to be- get the best seat in class at school, but you still wait until 1 a.m. the night before a test to cram. I think that some of those sound scary familiar to me. We tend to learn easiest from the times when it doesn't matter, and we repeat our bad decision when it matters the most. But over these next few weeks, let's dig into God's word. Let's learn from the Holy Spirit's wisdom so that we can learn to get it right the second time. Life has enough of unavoidable pain, right? There are some things in life that we just can't avoid. So let's learn from some of the avoidable pain. Let's learn not to walk right into it. I think it was Dr. Phil that said the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. And it sounds so easy, right? It sounds so, so just smart. Why would you do the same thing over and over? But I think that there are reasons why we find ourselves making the same mistakes. I know I do. Maybe I am not in the company of those that make the same mistakes more than once, but I I certainly do. And I believe we fail on our mulligan shot because we have internalized three myths. And some of them are going to sound really familiar to you. The first myth, we'll dive right in, is this. Experience makes me wiser. Experience makes me wiser. Now, at first glance, that sounds right, right? 
Julius Caesar said, experience is the teacher of all things. And Albert Einstein said, the only source of knowledge is experience. But experience on its own is nothing more than an episode in the life you're binge watching. Experience itself doesn't get you any wiser. Not at all. But we can make our mistakes work for us by learning from them. Because experience doesn't automatically make us wiser, but evaluated experience does. So if we can evaluate the experiences we've had, then we may be able to gather some of that knowledge that we so desperately think we're going to get. We're not going to get it by osmosis, which leads me to the second myth we often internalize. This is the second one. Since I know better, I'll do better. Again, this makes sense. If you just give me more knowledge, if I just understand it more, then I'll do it better. I'll, I'll be different this next time. And this is when it comes really in handy to be a parent because I've seen how this plays out. I'm not sure if you're aware, but in every stage of a child's life, there's a word or phrase that is on repeat. And it just, it, it really encapsulates that part of your child's life. One of the very first ones is no. Have you, when, have you had little ones? The minute they learn the word no, they say it all the time. You know, the funny thing is we, get so, we want them so badly to say these words, and then when they say them, we immediately regret that we ever wanted them to say it. So we want them to be able to communicate no, no. And then everything is no. Do you want dinner? No. Do you want a toy? No. Do you want anything? No, 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 no. The second one follows it, and it's almost as maddening. It's mine. Mine. Isn't it crazy how quickly that one comes to? It's mine, 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 mine. And then there's the why stage. Do you remember this one? Why is the sky blue? I don't, and then you, if you're really smart and you come up with a good answer, then they're like, but why? Right, that was the answer. There's no more why. Stop saying why. I don't know. Google it. Like, I don't know. Just Google it. But I'm going to tell you one of the most maddening stages, if you've graduated out of those, like Jeff and I have, we are into the double-digit children now, right? So all of our kids have double digits. There's another phase that comes. So if you have young children, um, just be ready for this one. It's crazy. And if you have older children, you can laugh at me because this is the one I'm in right now. It's called the I know stage. I know. I know. I know. It's almost always served up with a frustrated sigh, a quick exit, and a dramatic eye roll. I know. That's how it goes. I know. You could have just told them a brand new philosophy on life, and it would be, I know. Uh, and it's, it's horrifying. It, it's horrifying. So I'm going to need some help because I want to give you some examples. But I need you to, um, to channel your inner teenager, okay? And when I go like this, I need you to say, I know, in the most teenager way possible, okay? Ready? Let's practice. I know. <laughs> oh, you've had teenagers. That's good. Okay, so here we go. Here's our examples. Sweetie, don't forget your lunch. Two hours into work, I get a call. Somebody's forgotten their lunch. All right? I actually just saw somebody get hit back there. All right. Honey, don't forget to brush your teeth. 
I lean down to give them a kiss and my eyebrows are burnt off with a dragon breath. Okay, how about this one, last one. It's a new school year. I see that, no, not yet. It's a new school year. I take a peek at the syllabus. I see that there is a huge world geography uh, project due on December 1st. I gently remind my student no less than 2,500 times. Maybe you should start working on that. Hey, remember, you have that world geography project coming up. Every time. I know. November 30th, 9.01 p.m. Mom. We have to go to Michael's and Switzerland and an alpaca farm because I have to create a to-scale um, model of the Alps before my 8 a.m. tomorrow morning. Every single time, I know, I know, I know. And it's funny because it's not your kid. <laughs> and it's funny because it's a kid. It's not so funny when it's you in the mirror. That was, it was too good, too good. <laughs> You see, there's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. There's a difference. Knowledge knows the difference between being smart and stupid, but wisdom is choosing to be smart. Wisdom can be defined as the right use of knowledge. When you get a mulligan in life, knowing better will only get you so far. Finally, the third myth that trips us up is that Time is against me. Time is against me. Now, I'm not a golfer, but uh, it was my husband's birthday a couple weeks ago, and we went to Urban Putt. It's right here in the Mission, right around the corner. It is a crazy putt-putt golf course that is so cool. It's so cool, but it's also very confusing. And sometimes the, when you're at the tee, not a golfer, at the tee, when you putt, I, I can't tell you, there was one hole that every time I putted, it came right back to me. And right when I did it, the minute it would come back to me, I'd stop it and put it again really fast. Sure enough, it came back and I'd put it again because I just wanted to relieve myself of the embarrassment of having that ball roll back to me over and over and over. But there's, and there is benefit, friends. There's benefit into getting right back on the horse after you fall off. But when you are handed a mulligan in life, it's different. It's different. We have to pause because time is your friend. In a world of hustle, and I love a good hustle, in a world where we fill our calendars so full so that we don't feel empty, when it comes to making the most of a mulligan, when we get a second chance to try again after a mistake, time is not against us. Time is actually our friend. You see, hindsight is only 2020 if you actually look. It doesn't do us any good to rush right into another thing, just to try and, and get ourselves away from the mistake that we made. So pause, wait. You'll be able to hear things later that you can't hear right now. There are things that when we pause and quiet ourselves long enough to look back and see that we'll be able to hear that we couldn't hear now. Now, I don't want you to be fooled. I'm talking like this is so easy. These are myths. I surely don't believe them, not at all. But that's not true. It's, it's easy to accept a mulligan only sometimes, and it's harder to 
move forward and not make the same mistake over and over again. You see, I'm not a golfer again, but from my research, no serious golfer would ever take a mulligan. If you're good, you don't want to take a mulligan because you don't miss the first shot, right? And as Christ followers, I wonder how many times we, want, we see that we shouldn't have to take a mulligan either. Are we so prideful that we are afraid to take our own mulligan, to take that second chance that God's given us? Now, I want to be clear. I'm not just talking about grace here. Grace is something different. Remember a couple weeks ago, we talked about the difference between grace and mercy, right? Mercy is not getting what you deserve, but grace is getting a gift you don't deserve. The mulligans we're talking about here, this second chance, it comes with grace for sure, but this is a second chance to get it right. In God's economy, you don't have to work over and over and over again for your salvation. That's a free gift. So what we're talking about here is not something that can earn your way back into God's good grace. Not at all. This is God gifting us an opportunity to learn from those mistakes. So it's an extra gift of grace. Does that make sense? We don't have to work for that favor with God. Because the good news of the Bible, the good news of our lives, the gospel, is that we have a God who gives us a do-over without penalty when we trust in Jesus. Paul goes on in Romans 8, in verse 31. It says this, What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died. More than that, who was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know, there's a story of a sculptor many, many, many centuries ago that messed up this huge piece of Carrera marble. He was huge. And he messed it up so bad that he gave up. And he left it in the courtyard of a cathedral in Florence, Italy for 100 years. Sculptors would come, they'd look at it, and they'd be like, oh, no, no, he messed this one up way too much. There were chunks out of it that they just couldn't envision anything else. But in 1505, a young sculptor was asked if he thought anything could be done with the giant. He measured the block and carefully noted all the imperfections caused by the bungling workmen of 100 years ago. And for three years, he worked steadily, chisel skillfully shaping the marble into an 18-foot-tall, nine-ton sculpture of the shepherd David. The master, Michelangelo, molded a giant mistake into one of the most famous pieces of art 
the world knows now. That is what God does with us. You may think that you've taken too many chunks out of your marble, but you are unaware that there is a skillful sculptor that takes one look at you and goes, oh, I see it. I can do something with this. There is not a person in the room that when God looks at you, he doesn't say, oh, I got this. And maybe even more, maybe even more than that. He sees those imperfections and says, ooh, now that. I can do something with that. This will be a masterpiece. That's the mulligan we're taking today. And maybe you're sitting here and you have never experienced someone loving you so much that they look at everything about you, they know you so completely, and yet they still say, ah, this is a masterpiece. I know exactly what to do with this. And if that's you and you want to step into that kind of relationship, we would love to walk alongside you on that journey. In fact, we have a gift for you out in the lobby. It's a, it's a journal called This Changes Everything. This is a great way for you to take a next step into that journey. It's 21 days where you can get to know a sculptor that can see beauty out of your mess because we're all real messy. We all have chunks out of us that were not intended. There are all mistakes that we've made that God can not only, not only cover up, but turn into something beautiful. We say it every week, there's nothing so dead that God cannot resurrect it. There's nothing so broken that he cannot mend it. And there's nothing so lost that he cannot find. So if that is your next step today, if you feel him calling you into that kind of life and that kind of relationship, please go to the info table and pick one of these up and let us know how we can walk with you on that journey. And maybe you know you're a mess, but you're not so sure that it's Jesus that can fix it. That's okay. You can pick up one of these. We know the secret. You might just find that he is, he is the beautiful artisan that can make your life into something beautiful. Now remember though, this grace, this gift of grace over and above, it's not just for first time decisions. This is for all of us. I would love to tell you that the minute that I accepted Jesus into my life, when I realized how badly I needed him, and then I accepted his love, and I started walking with him, that I never took any chunks out of my marble that weren't supposed to be taken out. But that's not true. I still mess up. I still mess up daily. These mulligans are not just handed out on the first shot. Those of us who have all already crossed the line of faith into a life pursuing God need grace just as much. And sometimes it's harder to accept after that happens. So if that's you, if you are frozen, staring at a mistake, if you are rushing through life to stop that awkward feeling of failure, then this is your invitation to stop, pause, drop the shame, and run to the master healer. Stick with me for the next three weeks, and we can learn together how to get it right the second time, the third time, the fourth time around. Will you stand with me as we close today?
If you have found yourself in a place where either you are struggling to to accept that mulligan, that second chance, or maybe you have, it just happened and you want someone to come and stand alongside you. We have prayer partners that will be at the front of the room. We would love to pray alongside you. We'd love to walk with you as you turn your face and reorient your life back to where God has intended you. If you're going through a hard time and you just want some support, come on down to the front and let our prayer partners pray with you. I am so glad that you're here. Thank you for coming today. If you're a guest with us, we'd love to meet you face to face. Head on out to the lobby. We have a special gift for you. If it's your first, second, or third time, head on out there. We'd love to meet you. Give us a few weeks. Give us a few weeks. Next week, we'll be downstairs. It'll be a whole new show. We'd love to have you down there and get to know us and maybe find your place here at Northgate Bethel. Thank you for your generosity. Because of you, we can do really good work. God is doing amazing things through your obedience and through your generosity, so thank you. If it's your first week and you want to join that dollar club that John talked about, the exclusive dollar club that only costs a dollar to get in, you can drop that dollar in the boxes outside as you leave today. We would definitely invite you to do that. And then as we do every week, I want to leave you with a blessing. And we just put our hands out here in a posture of receiving. So may you this week see God's grace in every crevice of your mistakes. May the Holy Spirit allow you to pause. And then may you listen to the whisper that he has to give you wisdom. I love you guys. I'll see you next week.